heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hello there, Growth Junkies, and welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. We are back. Yes, we are. Talking to you about all things relevant to being a junkie who's into growth. <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> depends on how you view it, I guess. Yeah, the right kind of junkie. A good kind of junkie. Yeah, good Someone junkie. who's a junkie on something really good and healthy. A good addict. Right. And across from me uh, is Ben Boast, and I'm Kent Del Husay, and we are your hosts. And so we are talking today about kind of a follow-up to the last podcast. Mm-hmm. We had an episode on a very small, minor subject <laughs> called God. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. And we, we talked about, you know, uh, really, you know, how do we know he's there? And if so, what do we call him? Mm-hmm. And the question we want to ask today is a bit of a follow-up on that is mm-hmm. let's presume there is God. Now, Ben and I do believe that. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we kind of come from that background. And we are theists. Mm-hmm. That's what you call people who believe there's a God. We are theists. Mm-hmm. We realize we have listeners that maybe are non-theists right. uh, or are agnostic about the whole thing, and that's okay. So one of the things we do is want to process out loud with you, process life out loud with you. And so we talk about some big subjects. And the reason we're going to talk about this again uh, and go a little deeper is because this is a section in our Four Dimensions of Human Health book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Section number three is about intellectual health, and it's about developing a philosophy of life. And when you develop a philosophy of life, you got to ask the hard questions about the big life things. Yeah. Like, is there a God? You know, why are we here? And what's this universe we live in? And is there a purpose to life and meaning and value and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. And so we want to have these discussions. It's time to touch these things. So we started with the big subject of a creator, a higher power, Mm -hmm. an ultimate being um, that we refer to as God. Mm -hmm. And so the question we're going to kind of get into today is if there's a God, does he speak. <laughs> yeah. Does he talk? Yeah. And I th- and I want to add to what you were saying like if you take your philosophy of life seriously and and what does it mean to be intellectually healthy it means that we have um a way that works for thinking about life. So to be clear about this section of the four dimensions like that's what it's about. Yeah. Do you have a healthy way for thinking about life? And if you're trying to develop one of those or maybe you're questioning whether you do or not you have to go into all these questions. Mm-hmm. You have to drill down a little bit and ask some of the the bigger, more challenging things to be able to get to the place to evaluate your intellectual health. Yeah. And so to be fair with the last conversation about God, we we got there by starting with the question, are you living for something bigger than yourself? And because we we have a world that focuses on individualism, uh, really promotes it, that you define your own truth, living your own story and all those things. But we also know that science says mm-hmm. that happiness comes more to a person and a deeper, a deeper sense of well-being comes to a person when their focus is not on themselves. So if, it's, if we're going to take the focus off of ourselves, where does it go? And who can give us direction for what that would look like? And that's where the concept of God comes in is, is there a, a higher power out there, intelligent designer, who can tell us something about the way to live life? Yeah. For something bigger than us. Well, because one of the things would be, let, let's say there is, and, and, and we believe that there is, call him the, the great designer or the creator or God, mm-hmm. um, then 
if he doesn't talk, we're going to have a hard time knowing what he wants us to do. Yeah. How would you know how to live your life if there's no instruction? <laughs> right. So yeah. then you're just filling in all the blanks. So to me, if there's a God, but the God doesn't communicate, exactly. then there's almost no reason to even have a God <laughs> exactly. because you're living completely separate lives. And so my view on this is if, if God is there, then he must speak. And the question is, how does he speak? And so this question has been debated for a long, long time. And if he speaks, what do we call that? And how do you tell if it's valuable? Right. It's got to be useful, right? It's uh-huh. got to make sense. So it'd be one thing to like, you know, speak um, algorithms or mathematical <laughs> equations. You might be like, well, that's not very useful. It doesn't tell me a lot about how to interpret life and live my life. Or computer code. Right. But what if there's like a moral, ethical dimension to it? Mm-hmm. Um, there is like dietary, you know, descriptions to it, ceremonial descriptions. Mm-hmm. And what the funny thing is in the Bible, which people refer to sometimes as, you know, the, the book or the revelation of God, mm-hmm. um, it talks about um, various ways that God communicates. One of those is through the written word. The other way is through, through nature. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a guy named Thomas Aquinas a long time ago who wrote a long, boring book. <laughs> About, and it is, it's, it's long and boring, but all to make the point that, you know, God does communicate and he actually has two books that he wrote. One of the books is called nature. The other mm. one is called scripture, but they both speak. They both communicate. Mm. But here's the thing. He said that they communicate different things. So the book of nature, which is like uh, the trees and the stars, you know, and the oceans and the rivers and all the stuff, the human body, all the things we see around us. Mm-hmm. Some people call that general or um, universal revelation, mm-hmm. which means it's available to everybody. And the mm-hmm. question is, what does it say? It says, hi, I'm God. I'm here. Hi, I'm God. I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm God. I'm creative. Mm. You know, that it says that, but what it doesn't say is any intentions about moral living or ethics yeah. or dietary rules or ceremonial laws. And that's why those things come up in the other book called the book of scripture, mm-hmm. which tells us something else about God. It tells us about what he wants us to do or about how to live life. So it seems to me like if you want to have a grid or a frame with which to interpret the world, mm-hmm. you kind of need both. Yeah, and I would I would describe it this way too. If I if I set out and said I actually want to live for something bigger than myself, where are the instructions for how to do that? Right. And what would that look like? What kind of things would I do or not do in effort to make sure my life was was actually in concert with what I'm wanting it to look like? Mm-hmm. And 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 the 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 other part of it too, and having to, uh, to evaluate is going, I am no longer the authority. I'm, a, I'm rejecting that. I know what these rules should look like or what these practices should be, or like you've mentioned ceremonies, all those various things. And so what do we actually call this thing? The, the instructions. And I would say that it primarily falls under the umbrella term of wisdom. When we look at life and, and you find people who, who sound really smart, and it looks like that their instructions are helpful for doing the right things or leads to well-being, you go, that's pretty wise. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should do that. And so I, I would categorize it that way. And I do think about it that way, that like the collection of the, the letters and books that are in Scripture is a wise way to live life. Mm-hmm. It gives us the kind of instructions we need to live for something bigger than ourselves. But ultimately, ultimately 
to find the depth of vitality in life that we're looking for. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of times we connect the Bible and scripture, it gets connected to religion and it gets connected to to church and it's almost like we're not able to access it then in a way that is helpful for us in life practically. Yeah. Well, I think people dismiss it and marginalize it oftentimes because it's considered a religious book and specifically a religious book for Christians. Mm. So they say, well, that's your holy book. Well, you know, you've got Torah and you've got, you know, the Vedas and you've got other religious books out there. So what makes the Bible unique? And that's a fair question, I think. And all those would be considered like you lump them into a pile, right? Including the Bible. These are books of wisdom from history mm-hmm. of people saying things about living life. That's right. Yep. So the question is, they all you know, would contain wisdom. And so I think it's legitimate to ask the question like, well, what makes the Bible different and distinct? Mm. And so let's remove it from the context of religion just for a, a few minutes. Right. And let's just treat it as a book. So like, like what makes the book different? And so there's a lot of things to consider. One of them is that we still read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. There's a lot of books that were written 2,000 years ago that I have zero interest in yeah, reading. No one's reading, or it's written in a language which nobody you know understands anymore. Right. So no one's reading it. But the fact is, there are people that actually like have this book on a nightstand, you know, or in their office, and they actually read it every day. And they say it sort of feeds them. Mm-hmm. And I say that's pretty interesting. And. Within that, it's been the most scrutinized collection of writings in history. Absolutely, it's been it's been evaluated and put through the, the the all these paces to figure out like can we trust it? Does it tell the truth? Is it reliable? And here's the biggest question: Does it work? Uh huh. Because when you talk about wisdom, yeah, uh, here's a wisdom is defined a thousand ways. I would define it simply this way: It's information that works. It doesn't just sound good. It actually works. So the real test, I guess, of any religious book, including the Bible, is whether it works. Does it work in my life? Does it work in the world? Does it answer the fundamental questions? When you actually try it on, you actually put it to the test. Does it do anything? Yeah, and so... (laughs) Coupling with what you're saying, the actual dictionary definition of wisdom is the quality or state of being wise, knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action, discernment, or insight. Yeah. So it it has this expression of knowledge of what is right to do or what is true. Yes. So wisdom itself, if you profess to be a person who values wisdom, what you're saying is you value truth and you value what is right and wrong. Yes. And I would even... Take it a step further. Um, I, I've talked about wisdom before as knowledge with feet on it. Hmm. And by that, I mean simply it's information, you know, knowledge, but actually put into action, mm-hmm. integrated, to use a word that we use a lot on this program, integrated into life, which yeah. means it works. So it's not just like I know the answer to the question. It's like I've tried it and it actually works. Yeah. So wisdom is knowledge that's been applied mm-hmm. to life. And so the real question is, experientially, we talked about Kierkegaard last time. Mm-hmm, Kierkegaard right. argued that you know, we, we know God exists because we can conceive of him. We can experience him. So the same thing goes with the Bible. Like, is the Bible the word of God? Is it scripture? Is it inspired? You know, is it authoritative? Well, to know if it comes from God, it'd have to be the same thing. It'd have to be experienced, mm-hmm. have to be encountered and tried to see if it's true. 
So those of us that have actually tried out the Bible, you know, tried out <laughs> verses to say, you know, if I do this, will it will this result? If I make a good decision, will good things happen? If I make a foolish decision, will bad things happen? Well, I don't know about you, Ben, but I found in my life that that's been true. When the yeah. Bible says, hey, this is stupid, don't do it, <laughs> and I go do this it. This is foolish. Then it says you're going to have disaster. I'm like, whoa, look at that. Disaster happened. But when it says you, this is wisdom and you go and do that, and then there's like good things that happen, you kind of say, wow, that works. Yeah, and I, I think this applies here, and we probably talked about this in our, in our podcast on life, which is actually at the beginning of this section of the four dimensions. How do you understand philosophy of life, and what are your options when you approach constructing one? Well, you really only have three. You could have an adopted philosophy of life, like a blueprint mm-hmm. for a house or for a building. And, and that, that blueprint governs the way in which the house is built or the building is built <clears throat> or the way you live life. A second option would be self-designed. The person is creating it themselves or picking and choosing. Well, here's what can't happen when you have those two adopted and self-designed. You can't do both at the same time because if you choose an adopted philosophy of life, which I would suggest the life of, guided by the scriptures in the Bible is communicating a blueprint for a way to live a healthy life. Right. And so there's no picking and choosing involved in that, right? You're not, what you're saying is I'm not the authority. This seems to have the best plan. Mm-hmm. The last option would be an imposed philosophy of life. Mm-hmm. One that's pushed upon you that you really have no say in. Mm-hmm. An example for that would be like being in a cult. Uh, you don't necessarily have a say. You're under this authority that's dominating your life and it's imposed upon you. So to be clear, what we're talking about when we're approaching philosophy of life and thinking through it and looking for wisdom, if you're choosing to say that the Bible is going to be that for you and provide that wisdom, it really is providing a blueprint that begins in one place. In the center of the scriptures, there's a collection of of books called the books of wisdom. And one of them is Proverbs. Proverbs 9, tells. Proverbs 9.10 says that um, fear of the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Well, where does it start? It starts with a reverence, not a, uh, not a scary horror fear of God, but a reverence for God and who he is that, hey, maybe he has the best plan of, for life, the best philosophy of life, and it's wise to live that way. Mm-hmm. And the whole book of Proverbs lays out what are things that are foolish and what are things that are wise what leads to understanding and knowledge. And, and this is all in there. But sometimes we have a difficult time accessing it practically because we, it's tied to church or it's tied to religion. And we just it, it doesn't bring itself all the way down to ground level for us executing day after day after day in all situations. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I appreciate you doing that, laying those out, the blueprint, the self-design, and what's imposed. Um, and it's true, you have to choose one of those three. And I think for a lot of us, number two is probably the most consistent in the world we live. Self-design. I'm going to make my own path. Right. I'm going to decide my own philosophy of life. I'm the I, wisest person that's ever lived. Well, I find that exhausting. <laughs> like, I mean, this is like the first episode where we talked about God. I said, I, I find it very exhausting to be my own God. I kind of don't want to tell myself, you know, we heard this, this phrase, um, decision fatigue. <laughs> it's become a popular word. When you stand in front of the spaghetti sauce or the toothpaste, uh, and you're like, which one do I choose? I'm so tired of choosing Can red just sauce or white sauce. <laughs> I don't want to choose. I kind of want someone to choose for me. Meat or no meat. Garlic, no garlic. What? I'm just, just. 
put one on the shelf. Exactly. So when it comes <laughs> to the big questions in life, it's even bigger. I don't want to have to make the decision. And then at the end, it's like, who do I think I am? <laughs> you know, like I'm really that smart. Like we said in the last episode, in order to decide there's no God, like if you're a non-theist, here's the challenge with that. You have to decide that you know everything about everything mm -hmm. to know that there is no God. You have to be able to declare you've searched in every nook and cranny of the universe and you know for a fact there's no God there. I'm like, you how did you... have all knowledge. Yeah. And how did you get to all the nooks and crannies of the universe? Wow. You <laughs> must be smarter than any of us. Uh, here's the thing. There's an old statement that says, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. And so I look down the corridors of the past and I say, you know what? One of the reasons why I think the Bible is God's revelation and I feel like I can trust it and live by it. And when I say it works is because it has worked for centuries. Right. It, smarter people than me <laughs> have lived this out, practiced it and gone to their deathbeds knowing that this works. And they've written about it and told of it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, about how these words are true. And so part of me says, you know, I can kind of give some credit to those who have come before me and say, I'm not the authority. Maybe collectively, the millions of people that have experienced this over the, the millennia, maybe they're, they're right. And I can trust them that actually I'm just one drop in, in the great waters of history that would say, I'll add my two cents. It works for me. But then again, lots of other people who lived before me, it worked for them too. I've just found that over and over and over again, people who have applied the Bible to life have found that it works. Yeah. And, and the countless examples of individuals who have done that, that we reference people like Mother Teresa, for example, mm -hmm. who no one would argue with her life. They would say it was a life well lived and it was a, a, a loving and kind life that she lived for something bigger than herself and gave herself away on behalf of others. Yep. No one would argue with that. Mm -hmm. And there's been plenty of other examples like her over history that are directly connected to the wisdom of the Bible and it playing itself out in someone's life. Counter to that, we also have people who have used and manipulated the Bible in very mm -hmm. horrible ways. Sure. Right. You can go back in history to the Crusades, which were mostly about power and conquest mm -hmm. and the Bible and Christianity was tied to it. Mm -hmm. the, the reality of all of this is that sometimes it gets used in an unhealthy and wrong way. But it also that doesn't negate the fact that it that it's right, true and good. Yeah. And we, we, we need to make space for that. We should acknowledge the fact that, listen, I. And I, I told, I taught a class this morning and I told the class, I said, Hey, listen, everybody, I can make the Bible say anything I want it to say. <laughs> and that doesn't mean I'm writing. It means I can cherry pick any verse and I can use it to make any point I wanted out of context. So the reality sure. is anything like the Bible, if it's as influential as it has been, will be misused. There are lots of evil people out there that can use the Bible to justify evil actions. It doesn't mean the Bible teaches that. Or affirms it. Or affirms it. So I, here's the thing too. It's like, I write you a letter, Ben, and I say, Hey Ben, I miss you. You're cool. And then you take that letter and you say, you know, uh, Kent wrote me a letter and he says that he's cool. He thinks I'm an idiot. And I'd be like, that's not what I said. I said, I miss you. Well, he misses me because he thinks I'm an idiot. You're, you're reading into it and you're making us say something I didn't intend to say. And I'd be offended if I t wrote you a letter and you took it and, and used it to justify something I never said. That's a problem. Yet all the time with the Bible, people take it and they misquote it. They misuse it. And most of the times people who misuse the Bible have never even read it. Uh -huh. They just paraphrase it. 
you know, they'll quote it or something they've heard that comes from it, but it's actually not in context or it's not even what it says. Mm -hmm. So the reality is I'd say, find out for yourself, look at the Bible and read it and say, does this make sense? Does this seem holistically true? And I even told this class this morning, I said, just because there's a verse that says whatever doesn't mean it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Biblical means it's something that the entirety of scripture says that this is true of what the entire Bible teaches. Quoting one little verse out of context does not mean it's biblical. And it's funny when you hear like the cultural sayings that people will attribute to the Bible. The one that you hear all the time is like, God helps those who help themselves. That should be in the Bible. Well, it's not. Of, I think there's a lot of times you're like, well, that's in the Bible, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's not in the Bible. No. It's actually a, a mindset that's very incongruent with the scriptures. Right. That, that my other favorite one people will quote from the Bible is, judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> so they don't even quote a modern translation. They quote it like the old, you know, old English. Judge not lest ye be judged. And usually they do that simply to justify something they're doing. But they have no idea what they're quoting, no idea what it was intended for, and no context for it. People abuse it. Another one is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, <laughs> including running a touchdown. They're like, I don't know if Jesus really cares about football. Maybe he does. I mean, maybe he would play. I don't know. But the principle and, and the context of that verse has nothing to do with sports. Yet people all the time use the Bible to justify all kinds of things. But like you said, that misuse doesn't mean the Bible isn't true. Well, and the converse would be uh, the, right, the golden rule. People say, well, the golden rule, do unto others as, they, as you would have them do unto you. Right? That's the golden yeah, rule. Yeah, sure. And they have no clue that this is actually in the Bible. Right. <laughs> they like, who said that? Oh, Jesus said that. Yeah. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Uh, who's Jesus? There's so <laughs> much. Um, they, the word here is biblical literacy. That we live in a generation in which people just don't know what the Bible says. Mm. Or they just lump it in with another religious book and they quote it when it's expedient for them. Or they use it to, to push power on somebody else. Here's the bottom line. You have to separate all that. Look at the book for itself and ask yourself, does it work? Does this make the most sense of life? Does this really answer the fundamental questions? Like, why am I here and where am I going and mm -hmm. why are we living? Like, that, those are big questions. Mm -hmm. And I'd say I'd want to know if the Bible answers those questions. And I would say it does in spades. And legitimately, if you profess to want to be the kind of person who lives life and is wise and not a fool— Basically, just at that level, with that kind of perspective, where's the set of instructions to help you do that? Right. That's it. Otherwise, it's all dependent on you. There's, there's an interesting uh, thing that happens with uh, Jesus and his disciples when um, he does something that's kind of, you know, messes with their minds, <laughs> which he does a lot. And even asks him, he's like, do you want to leave me now too? Cause In people, a loving way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because people are walking away like, dude, this, this guy's weird. I mean, this guy's really weird. And he looks at his disciples and he says, do you guys want to go too? And they said something really interesting. Yeah. They said, where else are we going to go? Yeah. You have the words of life. So in other words, look everywhere else and see if you can find life. So at the end of the day, is there anywhere to go to find what's good and true and beautiful that really works? And I've looked in different places. Perhaps you have too. looked everywhere, tried different things and discovered that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Well, this does. So the view there is simply, listen, um, if God is there and God has spoken, 
I'd want to know what he said. Mm -hmm. And if the Bible is what millions of smart people have said is his word to the world, then I'm going to want to read it and I'm going to want to do it. And I'm going to believe that it's probably going to be useful in life as a structure, a philosophy to live my life. Um, here's the thing. I know this is true. I talk to lots of people who say, you know, I'm not, I'm spiritual, not religious. Yeah. And, and how, as I That's go through life, today. I come to appreciate that more and more because yeah. I get that. A lot of what they're saying is the church is mean and I don't want to be <laughs> in the church, but I like Jesus. So I love Jesus. I don't love the church. I've heard that so many times. Yeah. I get that. I haven't talked to a person yet who says, I don't want to be more like Jesus. It doesn't matter what worldview they hold to. It doesn't matter whether they believe Jesus is God or not. They look at Jesus' life and say, that's a life worth modeling my life after. So if that's true, then he seems to have something to say. Go to Jesus and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and say, does this make sense? Is this a better way of living? Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you what, aside from the miracles and the cross and the resurrection and all those amazing things is simply the teaching itself and the way he treated people. Like, does that seem to work? And I think by and large, when people associate, when they hear the name Jesus, what, what do they associate with it? If you, if it's not the church, right? If they're, mm -hmm. they're not thinking about the church or the impact of the church on their life or anything, maybe negative experiences that they've had, they're thinking just about the person. Yep. The word that normally gets associated with Jesus is love. People right. know this. That's right. And yet mm -hmm. we, we would hope that it would drive them to actually read the scriptures to find out why that's the case. And, and a smart person or a wise person would try it on for size to see it act, if it actually works before they reject it. Yeah. And, and I think there's actually space for this in the world. What, they're gonna, what you'll realize very quickly about it, though, is when you start to understand the the perspectives and the instructions of scripture, you realize really quickly, I am not capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. This is really, really big. However, this is what I want my life to look like. Mm -hmm. How does this happen? Yeah. And it also, so you have to connect a couple of things here. One is the life that I really long for and desire and the kind of person that I want to be and the fact that I can't do it mm -hmm. in my natural self. I could try so hard to will it and I'm going to fall short. Mm. And it, so the, enter the big concept that explains all of the brokenness and evil and difficulty in the world, the condition of sin. Mm. And this is a word that turns people off left and right. Yeah. But the, re, the, 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 the real context behind sin is that it's a condition. It's like taking a glass of water and dumping a bunch of dirt and mud in it, and it mm. takes over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really what sin is. And then there are actions that are sinful. Yeah. Sin is, you know, interesting because we often hear sin in terms of um, behavior modification. <laughs> yeah. You know Clean I mean? up your act. Yeah. It's what you've done. It's what you've done that's bad. And you need to try harder and do better. Like that's sin. But here's the thing about sin. Sin is a condition that, that that's up upon the whole world and it's done damage. Mm -hmm. So it's not just what sin we've committed. It's what sin has been committed against us. Yeah. How have I been sinned against? And a lot of us have experienced that. And mm -hmm. so part of dealing with sin is trying to find explanations to why is it here and can we do anything about it? And that's exactly right. Like sit down and try to explain mm -hmm. why there's evil in the world. Right. Try to come up with an answer on your own 
and see how far you get. Yeah, it's a dead end. It's a, it's a hard. That's why I said last episode that the real question is, why is there any good in the world? <laughs> that's the real question because we should expect all the evil. This is the world we live in. And so we live on the, on the dead end of a dead world. This is what happens in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but people, this is so strange. They'll say, I, I like Jesus. And the next question is, well, he ever read his words. They're like, well, no, <laughs> wait, you like him. You like the idea of him, but you've never actually read what his teachings uh-huh. were. Well, guess where you find his teachings? Yeah. They're not in the Encyclopedia Britannica. They're not in the Hindu Vedas. You know, they're not in other religious in documents Quran. in the Quran or the Book of Mormon. Right. They're not in those documents. Right. They're in the Gospels in the Bible written by people who were with him. So I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I'm going to go to the source. If I think Jesus is the master teacher on love, for example, uh-huh. like he's like the ultimate example of love, uh-huh. I'd want to actually read his teachings on love. Well, guess where you're going to find them? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those gospels mm-hmm. in the Bible. So, and they call it the red letter books, red letter books. Cause <laughs> when you see red, those are the words of Jesus, which means they're actual words that he said, not words written about him. And, and in reference to that he was a real person. Yes. Which a lot of people, nobody debates they, that they, now, honestly, right. No but scholars. Some people think, well, Jesus never lived. Oh yeah. Well, how, do you know your history? And then I say, <laughs> well, how do you know Ben Franklin lived? You want to know how you can go to his grave. Mm-hmm. You can read books about him. I'm like, well, duh. That's what you do with Jesus as well. You go to his grave, which is either the garden tomb or the tomb in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Israel. I've Mm. been to both of those. Mm. And here's the thing about it. It's empty. You go to the tomb and they know that's where he was buried. One of these two places was where he was buried, but he's not there. That's interesting to me. I'm kind of going, wow, that's normal. (laughs) Because if I go to Abe Lincoln's grave, I'm going to find Abe Lincoln's bones Mm -hmm. in the grave. Mm -hmm. So... This is interesting stuff that should lead you to ask questions and want you to know a little bit more. If Jesus is so great, why? What, what worldview did he have that Mother Teresa abided by? Uh-huh. She believed in Jesus' worldview. She actually practiced his worldview. Well, she believed it was legit. So maybe I should investigate whether it's legit too. Yeah, and if you kind of match your life up against Mother Teresa— you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Not that it's a competition, but if you're trying to live life in a wise and fulfilling way, mm-hmm. and she was taking her cues from Jesus and from the scriptures, mm-hmm. that says a lot. It does say a lot. I want to say one more thing, too. There's the words of Jesus and what he taught, but there's also what was his offer to us? Because mm-hmm. that's also in there. Right. And this is really big for our society and culture, especially when we're talking about what does it look like to have a healthy life or a philosophy of life? Jesus's offer is life. Mm. That's what it is. Life in the sense of fullness of vitality and well-being, that's what his offer is. Mm -hmm. The designer of the the universe who knows how it functions and works says says to you, I want you to have life and to have full life, abundant life, and a life of well-being. Mm. I don't know anybody anywhere, if that was offered to them, they'd turn it down. But we often have a difficult time making these connections to what is actually real and true when it comes to what's taught in the scriptures related to Jesus. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Anybody comes to me and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm either going to say, you're nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Get away from me fast and put on a jacket. Or, hmm, I'd like to know more about that because that sounds pretty interesting. If there's a way and a truth and a life, like I'd like to know what that is. Yeah. So at the very least, I'd want to know more. 
So a guy named C.S. Lewis actually said that years ago. He said with Jesus, you can't just say he's a good moral guy, a good moral. He was either nuts or a raving lunatic, no less, uh-huh. or he was a total blatant liar uh-huh. just trying to deceive everybody or he's exactly what he said he was. Yep. Those are your only options. Right. And so I feel like, okay, I have to make a choice. Which is it? Is he a raving lunatic? Is he a total liar? Or is he the Lord as he, you know, is, is claimed to be? I'd want to do some investigation. And the way that I do that is looking in the Bible because those are the things he said. I want to do my own research and then ask the question, okay, this worked for Jesus. This worked for lots of other people the last 2,000 years. Does it work for me? Yeah. Try it out. Find out for yourself. What we're trying to do is give you a lens through which you can like see the world. And I'll, I don't know about you, but I don't want to create my own lens. I'd rather adopt one. And especially in a time when it's so confusing. Oh, totally. What can make sense of all this? Yeah. And I want to say just a couple more things as we move toward, you know, closure of this podcast. I, I want to speak directly to one particular person, type of person. Uh, there might be someone out there listening to this who just because we're talking about the Bible and Jesus what wells up in them is resistance, mm. just a tension on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like this. Some of those people probably turned the podcast off before they got to this point. Yeah. Just because it rubs them the wrong way. Sure. And I, I want to speak directly to that person because here's the thing. You and I, we're passionate about it because we believe it. Mm. Right. We really have embraced this and we yeah. know what it can mean to a person's life. The person who, who might be out there and is resistant to it. And, and please take this in a loving way. It's because you think you're in control mm. and you want to be the authority and you mm. don't want to believe that there might be something bigger than you who has something to say about your life. Mm. And if there was, it might undermine some of the ways that you're living that actually you probably already know are not helpful for you. Yeah. They're very unhealthy for you. Yeah. And so in a, in a really loving tone and way, I, I just want to express Consider something else. Just be open to it. Don't allow the tension or the resistance that you're feeling on the inside keep you from exploring what could be helpful to you. Yeah. A wise person would do that. Well, and be part open of to it. a podcast is, is that you can listen to this anywhere, anytime, anyway. <laughs> and here's the thing. We're not checking up on you. We're not going to be like showing up at your house being like, hey, did you do what we talked about? Somebody you, might be checking up on you, but it's not us. Not us. You, you are. It's completely up to you. And I find a lot of people want to explore these sorts of questions. They just don't feel safe enough to do so. And I, I'm hopeful that people didn't turn it off. They, they hung in there and listened even with the tension because they're curious. Yeah. They're curious to hear more about this. They've thought about it and though they don't admit it to other people, it's been on their mind. So we're just simply talking about maybe something you've been kicking around already. Mm. And, And maybe you haven't done it in a while and it's time to kick it around again. Our challenge to you is to simply consider it. Listen, you know, if you do, you consider it and you think it's, it's bunk and you don't want it, that's fine. But it, you might consider it and say, you know what? This actually answers some of the hardest questions I've had. I'm willing to give it a chance. Mm. Then that's a good thing. Our goal here is simply to stimulate you to grow and learn. Growth junkies are curious. Mm. They're willing to learn and consider things they don't already know. So be a growth junkie. Act like one. And that means consider this. And it's up to you to decide what to do with it. But our job simply is to provoke you a little bit. And I think we've done that here today. So Ben, thanks for the challenge. I would echo that challenge wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, 
give some serious thought to whether there's a God and whether he's spoken. And if he has, maybe go read that. Maybe go learn what he has to say and see if it actually works in your life. That's what we'd love for you to do. So that's it for today. It's good talking about this subject. We might come back to it again in the future. But in the meantime, we hope we've given you enough to think about. And check us out online at our website. We are loveandtransformation.org. And uh, tune in again to the next podcast as we get deeper and deeper into these subjects. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Growth Junkies podcast. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook to join the community and check out the Four Dimensions book on Amazon or through our website, loveandtransformation.org. We also have a new book coming out soon, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, continue growing.